You're listening to Snyder & Associates Podcast Series, a civil engineering, planning, and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve quality of life within the communities we serve. This episode's hosts are Lindsay Beeman and Kelly Scott. Okay, Kelly, can you give me an example of a project that maybe had to do a uh, compliance improvement? And can you just take me step-by-step step kind of through what a, a community should anticipate for planning, engineering, design through construction as far as financing goes? I'm thinking Toledo. Yeah, I'm thinking they used both SRF loans and CDBG grants for new water treatment plant facility. They had been having compliance issues for a period of time and therefore were required to do an upgrade to their plant, fix it, replace it, expand it, something like that. There really wasn't any issues with all the funding to going together. The application process, like I said before, was fairly straightforward. You need the finances of the city and the block grant. You needed to meet the income limits on that. One of the things that block grant did change or enforce more readily a few years ago was the limit to spend the money within the three years of being awarded. People would apply for the money and then for whatever reason they wouldn't get it spent in the three years and therefore it would hold up funding from other projects. One thing to keep in mind with the block grant is on this one, actually there was two different projects, a water plant and a sewer infiltration study and improvements project that each were awarded $600,000, but the overall percentage of the project that that money would cover was different. So for example, one of them, that 600,000 would cover 20% of the project and the other project, it covered 50% of the project. If the project came in less money, you still would only get the 20% or the 50%. So essentially you might not get that full award amount. If your project became more expensive, you would not get an additional money above above and beyond what you were originally awarded. So kind of something to keep in mind when you're doing the applications. So, you know, with any of those projects, you go through the application process, the preliminary engineering report or facility plan, DNR go reviews those reports, approves the recommendations that are made by the engineer on what the improvement should be. So that would include the type of treatment options selected, and generally the costs of the project in order to get the funding. After the report is approved by the DNR, the city would need to authorize the engineer to proceed with design of said facility or improvement. So if it's a wastewater plant, the city says, okay, let's go ahead and proceed with design of the wastewater facility. They would get a contract with their engineer. The engineer then coordinates with the DNR and the current records of the facility to proceed with the design, looking at the site for the facility, the size of it, proximity to other buildings, residents, so on and so forth. And periodically 
there are typically meetings with a select group of people from the city. A lot of times it's the operator and the mayor or the operator and the clerk. Sometimes council members are involved in that sort of thing to kind of discuss progress and any questions that we may have. A lot of times we will discuss with the operator what's working for you now, what's not working for you now, and try to incorporate that into the design. Once you get through the design, the city will approve that. It will get sent to the DNR for the DNR to approve it. They take a look at it to make sure that what the engineer has put forth in the construction documents matches what the recommendations were in the original report. If that all matches up, they'll give you your construction permits and then you can go out for bids from contractors. If it doesn't match up, the DNR will have a conversation with the city and the engineer and say, hey, did something change or what's going on here? And if there is some reason that it did change, that you decided to use a different system, UV, for example, you can have contact with the bulbs or you can have a non-contact. If you chose to do non-contact in your report and you did a contact system in the final design, they may ask you about that. And changes like that are fairly simple just to do a report amendment so that the DNR has on file what those changes were. So then if they do approve it, you go on to your bid letting, put it out for bids to contractors in the area. Usually you give them three to four weeks or so to uh, take a look at the plans and specs and give their bid documents to the city. That date is set. There's a set date and time for them to all turn them in. Then we will assist the city with opening those all at the same time and take a look. And usually at that time, there's an apparent low bidder. And then we will take the documents and look at them a little closer to make sure that all of the bonding and the math for their bid prices all works out. And then we let the city know who the low bidder was and typically recommend award of that contract to the low bidder. Once that gets awarded by the city council, we get contracts back from the contractor and then the contractor starts construction. Depending on the size of project, most projects from start to completion are about 12 to 18 months. A lot of that depends on if there's large equipment that uh, is needed for the project. Sometimes it takes 12, 18, 20 weeks just to receive the equipment. So it's not necessarily construction that entire time. Upon completion of the construction, the DNR, if you have an SRF loan or grant, the DNR will come and do a final inspection of the project. One of the things they do also look for in the interim is there's a currently an American iron and steel requirement. So there will be documentation on valves, piping, bolts, nuts, any of your equipment that meets American iron and steel has to have the provided documentation. There are very minimal exceptions to that rule, but that would be the DNR involvement on that side is just to make sure that you meet those requirements. Can I ask you, does the DNR ever give a city a lot more time to pursue these different options? So if you are given a compliance schedule, uh, they are usually right around four years. 
and the compliance schedules given are typically based on treatment. So if you have contaminant in your drinking water that's exceeding the limits, or if you continuously exceed your discharge limits on your wastewater facility, or if new regulations come into place. All those, usually right around four years you have. And that four years includes the city getting their compliance schedule, and then hiring your engineer, going through that reporting process, the funding application process, the design and construction. So what that means is from start to finish, that new improvement must be 100% operational and functioning as needed so that that facility is in compliance within that four years. Most projects really take about that long by the time you get through all the processes. There is potential for extensions to those compliance schedules. One of them that we hear frequently is financing. That can be very difficult because you have to prove that the financing is not able to be obtained or it would significantly impact the residents of the community in a negative way. Those numbers are usually pretty high. They do have a classification, disadvantaged communities. So there's information out there on that, but the rates are generally extremely, would have to be extremely high in order to qualify for being a disadvantaged community and get an extension based on lack of funding. Other things would be a facility that has just been neglected for years and years and years and nothing has been repaired and the compliance schedule is for disinfection, for example, and you want to go ahead and move forward with your disinfection and you also want to upgrade your control system and your electrical system and maybe there was some repairs on lift stations structures and pumps and so if you're expanding the scope of the project beyond what the compliance requirement is you can also request for a compliance schedule amendment and then they will deem whether or not that's sufficient justification in extending that or not we have not really experienced official compliance schedule amendments that have been granted there are times that due to unforeseen circumstances weather or contractor issues or things like that where the project is not completed by the final compliance date and as long as you are still making forward progress and you're actually making an effort to move towards that the DNR is usually fairly flexible about that. Awesome. This has been a great talk. Thank you for your time today. It's been very informative. Thank you for listening to Snyder & Associates podcast series, a civil engineering, planning, and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve quality of life within the communities we serve. Find content related to this episode on snyder-associates.com.